What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, writer and co-writer and host of In The Scope column and In The Scope podcast. Normally, we would do a, a special podcast like this with Kyle Means, editorial director of New York Regal Radio. But today, it's just going to be me and the infamous NBA journalist and cultural journalist, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Brandon, what's up with you, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be in Chicago. Did a bunch of stuff with Zinni and uh, did a press run. And, you know, we're here actually in the Sears Tower. How cool is that? We're recording our pod on the Sears, in the Sears Tower. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely pretty cool. If you guys just uh, tuning in, we are at the Sears. Well, we know it as the Sears Tower growing up, but really it's the Willis Tower here in downtown Chicago. Again, we are here with NBA analyst, sports analyst, cultural analyst, He's a contributing writer for Heavy and a basketball insider for uh, yeah, Basketball Society, sports. Scoop B. Robinson. Scoop, just simply talk about how you first fell in love with the journalism game. How did you, first, how did you start your career and what made you really uh, figure out this was the career you wanted to take? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was um, I started at 12. I had a radio show with the Nets. Um, as a kid and, you know, followed my dream. Uh, I love basketball. I love people. I love asking the tough questions. And uh, I think more than anything, I think um, I just stuck with it. Uh, the last nine, ten months have been a good year, have been good, good to me and some of the stories I'm breaking and not just breaking stories, but writing good stories, writing quality stories. And, you know, the podcast, Scoopy Radio, 3.5 million streams last year. So um, I'm glad to be here and talking to you, man. Man, appreciate that. Talk about we're we're gonna step into a a little bit of the NBA stuff while we're here. More recently, Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson, just out of the blue, stepped down as the president of basketball operations. I know you've been really back and forth, and just now, uh, really trying to get a handle of what really is going on from an information standpoint. But tell us what you are hearing right now. From a basketball standpoint, is what what led to Magic Johnson possibly stepping down, and what's this next step the Lakers are really uh, considering now that they're heading into the offseason? Yeah, it's funny. I was at the United Center uh, on Tuesday night and uh, saw, like everybody else on Twitter, uh, what went on. And Magic had about a forty minute press conference before the game yesterday, and uh, or rather Tuesday. And uh, I will say that uh, what I do know is that there was a power struggle between uh, Jenny Bus and. Magic Johnson, and I'll add uh, that there was a power struggle between Magic Johnson and uh, general manager uh, Rob Palenka, and and really the power struggle between Jenny Buss and Magic was on uh, just the coaching uh, future of of, of uh, Luke Walton, and, you know, and I've been on record reporting that you know Jason Kidd and uh, Mark Jackson uh, are potential candidates uh, if if Luke Walton were to be fired, and I think that the conundrum with Luke Walton is the fact that. Um, He's a former Laker himself. Uh, his dad carries weight and uh, as a as a Hall of Famer, and 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 just the Lakers season didn't go as planned for a myriad of reasons. And there's a distrust that many players in that locker room have uh, for a lot of people based upon that Anthony da- Davis almost trade that didn't happen with the New Orleans Pelicans. And you know you saw the train wreck that it created out in in, in New Orleans with Del Demps ultimately uh, being fired and. Looks like Danny Ferry, from what I've reported, is the favorite as the as the uh, general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. So there's a lot uh, to digest, and this season was uh, 
high expectations, but they were never a championship team in their in year one. Um, but you, you'd hope that they'd have at least be an AFC. I, I spoke to someone at the NBA um, uh, halfway point. I spoke to someone within the coaching ranks that's associated with the Lakers that said to me, you know, they're looking to be a seventh seed, and uh, that never really materialized at all. Um, and the LeBron James groin injury was the thing that, that really just uh, derailed everything on Christmas Day. Right. Uh, LeBron, everyone now talks about how LeBron James is making all these power moves and how he has so much influence with the front office. With this recent situation going down now, do you think there was any type of influence from LeBron James um, basically saying maybe Magic isn't the guy? May, even though he loves to work with him and he came to L.A. because of the fact that, you know, Magic Johnson is Mr. Magic. He's Mr. Laker. He's, the, uh, he's Mr. L.A. For, for the most part. So do you think that LeBron idolizing a man like Magic Johnson when he came here and for now for Magic Johnson to leave – do you think he had a role in that? The answer is I don't know. Um, I can tell you that uh, at the trade deadline, the Los Angeles Lakers were discussing a potential, uh, or at least in in, in confidence, were, were discussing possibly moving LeBron because uh, Jenny Buss was upset that of all of the things that were going on with uh, Magic Johnson and, and, and just the constant... Pelicans rumors uh, that were being discussed and uh, as we're talking we are actually we did not mention that uh, our, our guy uh, Chicago lyricist the boy Illinois uh, is here with us as we're talking about uh, the Los Angeles Lakers but what I can tell you is um, that there was talk within the Lakers organization of a potential um, uh, LeBron James move that never materialized uh, because the discussions were just so deep and non-productive uh, uh, I can tell you that on uh, you know February 6th uh, and you can check the tweet out. It's going on a lot. Basically, what the Pelicans wanted, they wanted everything but the kitchen sink. And if they could th- get the kitchen sink, they would have got it. I mean, it was a move that would have had Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Michael Beasley, uh, f- and f- about five or six uh, future first and second round picks uh, for Anthony Davis. Uh, and, you know, that was one of the scenarios. Another scenario that was, was, was proposed as early or was discussed within the Lakers organization was a three-team trade with the Orlando Magic. Uh, that included uh, Nikola, center Nikola Vucevic uh, as on the Orlando Magic side, along with Alfred Payton. Uh, not Alfred Payton, because he's not at Orlando anymore. But it was Nikola Vucevic, it was uh, Alonzo Ball, and then on the Lakers side it was, um, it was Alonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and that never materialized. It was also a Phoenix deal uh, that was a three-team trade. It would have had Alonzo Ball going to uh, the Phoenix Suns uh, and the Lakers would have sent the usual suspects, Ingram, Kuzma, uh, and about Ball, and then uh, it just was it was just a mess. And the Pelican, honestly, I think the Orlando Magic deal was a better deal, um, and and so all of that willing and dealing and the discussion of Anthony Davis potentially coming to the Lakers, and as I reported in October, uh, by the trade deadline, it never materialized because the Pelicans had the right to ask for everything, and the Lakers all they could have said was no. And that tone set that level of distrust within the organization, particularly as LeBron James healed. And uh, some of my other colleagues have reported that, um, you know, LeBron James was around the team less. And a lot of people began to wonder, like, what was his motive? You know, you move to Los Angeles, you, you, you do movies, you, you want to play basketball. And, you know, that team was looking like a playoff team before he got hurt. Just a lot of confusion. And then here we have the free agency uh, this summer. And going to be interesting so they got to get the right uh, president of basketball operations because 
um, there's some distrust with other teams as it relates to Rob Palenka. Okay. Okay, so what do you think is a, who do you think are valuable candidates to fill in that president that presidential uh, basketball operations type of role? I've recently uh, on the Dean Davis show said that maybe they should look obviously they should possibly look into Jerry West, but an ideal candidate for me that hasn't really gotten a lot of uh, work or consideration when it comes to these type of roles is Joe Dumars. Um, I think he's a very uh, ideal candidate, especially for what he did in Detroit being one of the very few people to create a championship team with no superstar. You know, and it's, been, it's interesting you say that because uh, during the uh, Pelicans' um, GM search, uh, I reported that uh, Sam Hankey was a guy uh, that they were looking at. And as I tweeted out uh, on Wednesday, Danny Ferry is the favorite. I tweeted actually Monday, Danny Ferry is the favorite. And that there was never really a, a huge search uh, that they wanted to take the interim tag off from Ferry and that, you know, I also reported that Joe Dumars and Avery Johnson, who have both have ties to Louisiana, were not uh, realistic candidates uh, for that position in New Orleans. Um, I think Joe Dumars did, did wonders uh, as the general manager uh, for the Detroit Pistons, won him a championship in 2004, had, a, had an appearance in 2005, ultimately lost to the Spurs. Uh, but to directly answer your question, uh, the teams that, or rather the, the folks that I'm hearing as of today um, that the Lakers are interested in bringing in as the president of basketball operations is number one, Jerry West. Uh, I have also heard uh, Daryl Morey, general manager of the Houston Rockets, uh, is a person on that list. Um, and in addition to that, David Griffin, a guy that knows LeBron James well, former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, currently does analyst work on, on uh, NBA TV and the Turner family. Um, I think that if they want to make LeBron happy, they'll bring in a David Griffin. You've heard the talks throughout the season that you know Tyron Lue is a person of interest uh, to be the head coach of the Lakers. Um, as of now, Luke Walton is still there. Um, but I think David Griffin, or, or who is a free agent, and Jerry West, whose contract is about to be up as a consultant, uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, he's home. He could, he doesn't have to change his house uh, in Los Angeles. So th- those are the those are the three that I'm legitimately hearing. Joe Dumars would be great, uh, but it also depends on you know what Rob Palenka is thinking. Luke Walton's out. I don't know right now. If you had asked me that before, you know Magic Johnson stepped down, possibility. But I, here's the other thing. I think the first season with the Lakers is, is, is not really a tale of the tape because I think LeBron James is, is the person that, that keeps the lights on. Um, that groin injury changed the tra- trajectory of everything. Uh, and then Anthony Davis' situation changed the trajectory. And then the other thing is the Lakers' chances of getting Anthony Davis kind of diminished for two reasons. Number one, Brandon Ingram's health for the future is a major question. Uh, the other thing is the Boston Celtics legitimately have four draft picks that they can trade uh, to the Pelicans. And, you know, I think that when you look at this situation, if they keep Danny Ferry, who's, you know, a 13-year NBA veteran, comes out of the Popovich tree of coaching or just administration, um, I'm sure he and Danny H have a relationship. And um, But I think the other thing that, that swoops under the rug, I reported at the trade deadline, the Denver Nuggets reached out to the New Orleans Pelicans about a potential deal. Uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was involved in that. And um, I think, that, or I know, um, that there were some other factors. Ultimately, uh, the Pelicans uh, did decline. But I think there are going to be other teams. I think now that, you saw, that the, the world saw what the Pelicans and the Lakers were discussing in trades, I don't necessarily think that the Pelicans are going to now get equal value 
for Anthony Davis because um, things just change. So I rambled, but there was a method to my madness. <laughs> I feel that. If you guys are just not tuning in, we are here live in downtown Chicago in the Willis Tower, 67th floor of the Willis Tower for the In The Scope podcast with your boy, uh, Joshua M. Hicks. We have in the studio or in the special room right now, NBA insider and sports journalist and cultural journalist, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. And like you mentioned earlier, the boy, Illinois, infamous rapper within Chicago is in the building. We're going to eventually bring him in a discussion in a little bit as well. But we're going to continue with the, uh, the trade discussions that have rumored around with Anthony Davis. Briefly, Scoop, you mentioned on the Lawrence Holmes show about a potential idea of if the Bulls bring back Derrick Rose, you may see a possible Anthony Davis trade. Talk about that. Let me walk that down a little slower because people are paying attention. I said it would be cool to see Anthony Davis come to the Bulls uh, in the summer, depending on what they're offering. Because if they get the number one overall pick, they have trade bait. But the way the ping pong balls are looking right now, it seems to look like it's going to go in the Knicks' favor. Or, But the other thing is, you just can't really tell what these ping pong balls are. I, I think... Um, the Chicago Bulls, it would be great to see Derrick Rose come back. Um, it would be great to see Anthony Davis, a Chicago uh, native, come here. Um, but the other thing is with the Bulls, um, I think they need more um, twos and threes than they need fours and fives. I mean, Larry Markkinen is a fantasy basketball player's dream, um, but I, I do think that anytime you get a guy that isn't multiple all-star in Anthony Davis, you make room to get him. And so I think, you know, it, it would be great to see, but um, it, I think for the Bulls, it starts from a coaching perspective. You know, Jim Boylan is, has won the respect of, of respective players in that locker room uh, after just the, the debacle that was Fred Hoiberg uh, during the season and the distrust that they had. But... Um, it would be great to see Anthony Davis come to the Bulls because I think, um, but will he resign? It would be a one-year rental. He's he's made it clear unless he's changed his mind. You take him at his word. The, the Lakers are at the front of his list. With Magic going, you wonder. Um, but the Celtics, I can tell you, um, Danny Ainge, I had Chris, I mean, inside of Chris Sheridan on the Scoopy Radio podcast, Danny Ainge has fawned over uh, Anthony Davis since uh, his days at Kentucky. Derrick Rose, I think he's earned a, an, another payday, kind of like Michael Vick when he came after he had that one season when he came back from from being locked up, um, came to Philadelphia under McNabb and then came out swinging and, and earned the payday. So I, I think Mike uh, Derrick Rose didn't fight any dogs, but he definitely had a fight on the court, and uh, it's good to see his comeback story fully come to fruition. Could we possibly see a D Rose? Do you think the Bulls should go after D Rose and bring him back to complete this infamous? D Rose reunion. Mm. So just ask that question again. Do you feel like that the Bulls should go out and bring D Rose back? Does D Rose want to come to the Bulls? Like when you look at the the Minnesota Timberwolves situation, obviously Tibbs is gone, and you know you saw his minutes kind of diminish from injuries and just coaching and philosophies and just rotation. Um, but you know, I, I think when you look at um, the Bulls. I think it's Zach Levine's team. 
but I also don't think Derrick Rose has to be the Derrick Rose that y'all saw when he was here. He just has to be, you know, a, a slasher that can come off the bench. But I also look at Derrick Rose as a guy that wants to play on a championship team and not come off the bench with a young team. But then you kind of go into the doldrums of where Carmelo Anthony is. You know, Carmelo Anthony, if he wanted to play for another team, like say the, say the, the Hawks or the Pistons, uh, he could do that. You saw Vince Carter do that, 21-year veteran. But Derrick Rose, I'm sure, wants to win some type of ring at this point. I feel you. I feel you. Um, real quickly, before we bring the, uh, the boy Illinois, the rapper, into this discussion, we're going to talk a little bit of NBA playoffs mm-hmm. coming around. Um, today is obviously the last day of the regular season before the playoffs start this weekend. From the Eastern Conference standpoint, what is the most ideal matchup you want to see? Bucks Raptors. But I say that with reservation because I think a lot of people think that the the the, the Raptors are clear cut favorite because LeBron is no longer in the Eastern Conference. And I think that last year I saw flashes of Giannis Antetokounmpo um, really uh, show what he was made of, but it, he wasn't, it, it wasn't right there. I think this year winning 60-plus games, uh, having Mike, Mike Budenholzer in for a full year, uh, Chris Middleton having an all-star season, and then you had Brooke Lopez and Miritich and, um, and, and um, George Hill. You legitimately have what is now uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And what I'll say is... Um, while I while I do believe that uh, the Toronto Raptors are a viable team uh, to co- to compete with them, I think that the uh, Philadelphia 76ers are overlooked a lot. Um, and the only reservation I have about the Sixers is that Ben Simmons can hit a big shot in the playoffs. The playoffs is a new game, um, but I like the way he drives to the basket. I like the play in, uh, of Joel Embiid, and I'm glad that he's been healthy this season. And they added Jimmy Butler and rid themselves of Markel Fultz. And... Um, I spoke with Elton Brand about two days ago, and uh, he's excited for the playoffs. He's excited um, in his first year. He's done a lot to be successful with this team, and I hope that all of and adding Tobias Harris as well. I think that the Sixers are in a good position, and um, you know I, I see them doing big things. I think the Boston Celtics are still growing. I think the Celtics are in the situation the Sixers were in last year, and I think the Sixers can compete. And I think that the Milwaukee Bucks can compete. So while the Raptors are a team that has Kawhi Leonard and his laugh, um, they still have not played in the playoffs together. Uh, Danny Green and, and 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 Kawhi have, but as a unit, you know they've been the most consistent in the Eastern Conference. But I think Milwaukee and Philadelphia are the most slept on. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I just I just don't fully buy into the Bucks just because I need to see Giannis take it to that next level when the game is on the line. Because huh. Between the Boston Celtics series and the Giannis and the, you know the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics series, there were times when he could have took advantage of situations, but he didn't. That was last year. That was, uh, you're right. You're right. And that was last year. And it seems like this year he's a totally different player, especially more of an MVP candidate player. And that's what I want to see. Sure. I just hope. But my thing, I want to see that actually come to fruition when you look at when the, the game's on the line. When you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, I think one of the other disadvantages that they have is they're considered a small market team, right? When you look at the Western Conference, you look at the Denver Nuggets, particularly in the first half of the season, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, was playing his tail off. And, you know, the Bucks, or rather the, the Denver Nuggets were playing consistent basketball. 
Um, even with guys that were prominent players on that team that were injured. Um, Jokic is an all-star this year, um, but he's not going to get the same attention that James Harden would get or even uh, uh, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, or Steph Curry because they're the champs. Uh, and, and even James Harden on the Houston Rockets. Just like you look at Paul George playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, he is having an MP, MVP caliber season, but he doesn't play in L.A. He doesn't play in Golden State. He doesn't play in Chicago. He doesn't play for the Nets or the Knicks. So, you know, when you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, the Greek freak has uh, been consistent. You know, I, I was in at the All-Star game in Charlotte and really just paid attention to his style of play. He's scrappy. He can shoot the long ball. He rebounds. He, he does. He's not afraid to get his nails dirty. And um, I, I think that uh, having had experience with that team in the playoffs last season and that disappointment, I think that'll carry over into the playoffs uh, this this season, 2019. I really hope so. I really hope so. So between the Bucks and the Raptors, who do you have winning, this, winning the Eastern Conference? Say that again. Between the Bucks and the Raptors, who do you have winning the Eastern Conference? The Bucks. I would agree with that. I think, but I think also, be, but the main reason why I do is because I feel like they're more. They have a deeper bench than the Raptors do. I think that's what it really boils down to. They have veteran players like George Hill. Uh, an improving Tony Snell, um, <laughs> improving, slightly improving Tony Snell, but also with uh, Nikola Mirotic, uh, Paul Gasol. If those guys can stay healthy coming off the bench to provide an offensive lift uh, for those guys, that's, what's, that's going to be a big key for them compared to the Raptors, who, besides their starting five and Siakam, um, you may run a little thin. And especially, and they kind of did that by trading Darrell Wright, who was a who I thought was a really good backup point guard for them, to create that extra room for foot for uh, Van Fleet. So I think the Bucks have the potential to do it, but at the same time, like you mentioned, I can't overlook Philly, and I definitely can't overlook Boston just because when Boston really wants to put it together, they can put it together. And they're a very tough team to beat. Indeed. So. That being said, let's transition to the Western Conference real quick. Western Conference, ideal matchup for the finals. Who do you see? Golden State and Portland. Portland? Really? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you say Portland? They added Rodney Hood, and they have a cohesive unit of C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. And... Um, you look at the Houston Rockets, you think Trevor Reza being gone would be impactful uh, to them, and they still found a way to get out. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on a, a rematch in that regard, but sticking with what I said with the with the Portland Trailblazers and um, the Golden State Warriors, I guess Nurkic being out does scare me. Um, but it isn't in a guards game in the NBA anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's true. And I, But I think Nurkic played a big role being that defensive player that, you know, caused a lot of problems for them defensively. They're a very good offensive team. Mm-hmm. Nurkic didn't even have to do much to be a Steven Adams type of player, rebound and score the ball when he came, when, when needed. But defensively, I don't know. I feel like they may take a backslide in that when it comes to crunch time moments because the big man, defensive guy like Nurkic is, 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 not, a, is not around. But that's an interesting way. It's an interesting, definitely interesting thought to put. I think it's going to be ultimately... Golden State and Houston, but Houston's going to run out of gas. I don't think, I think James Harden, even though it's great of a season that he's played, he's not going to fully be the James Harden that he was throughout the regular season. 
I kind of question Chris Paul's health. I need, I, need, I need Chris Paul to be uh, healthy as well. And on top of all of that, like you mentioned before, Trevor Reese is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, being, missing that defensive anchor to go along with Capella was a, is a pretty big deal. So because of that, I think it's going to – I don't think they're going to get past Golden State. I don't think anyone's going to get past Golden State. But I think that's the best challenge, either them or Oklahoma City Thunder, if they can stay healthy and if Paul George can play at that elite level that they need to play. Yeah, I like OKC as well. I think uh, Russell Westbrook has been the best point guard in the NBA this season. Um, and I think that um, they're not going to just lay down and let someone beat them. I think they're not going to go out without a fight. All right. One final brief uh, point that I want to bring in, and I want to bring the Illinois boy. Not the Illinois boy. School the boy, in. Illinois. The boy, Illinois. The boy, Illinois. We're going to talk about Kyle Corbett and the racial aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, going to talk, I want to, so we're going to talk about how, how important it was for him to come out and write that piece with the Players' Tribune talking about how he, as a white man, really specifically has made it, a, made it his own responsibility to speak out for black athletes and for his teammates and basically say that we have to change this narrative of racism across America. What you think, Ellie? Kyle Corver. I thought it was cool. It was cool. I liked it. You did. <laughs> you liked it. Yeah, I mean that player Tribune article that he wrote. You know, he talked about how uh, Thabo Cephalosha, uh, his teammate uh, on the uh, Utah Jazz, uh, was you know beaten in a club and arrested by the NYPD, and how he asked questions about um, why and why would he be in a club this late at night. And how he is a white man who plays in the NBA, who's been played with the likes of, of Allen Iverson, Joe Johnson, LeBron James, J.R. Smith. Uh, doesn't relates more to the fans than he does his teammates and how you know that situation in Utah where the player was calling Russell Westbrook out of his name uh, changed the trajectory of what he thought and he did some soul searching and thought and so I I think at the end of the day um, it was great that he uh, spoke up Um, but I just think that in today's day and age um, 2019 and 2018 as well has been just a, an awakening for certain people as it, really, as it pertains to race, socioeconomic status, gender, uh, and more. And I think um, it's a good step in the right direction. But I hope that with him saying what he said, um, that he continues to ask those questions and speaks. Because it's one thing to write something and then go about your day. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different uh, narrative when you actually uh, act and not just speak. Yeah, that's very true. I just like the fact that, for the most part, especially historically, a lot of movements when it comes to the civil rights movement and things and things also when it comes to work for black progression and black civil rights within America and combating racism. What, the reason why some of those movements became so, so successful was because you had a mixture of races involved. You didn't just have an all-black unit. You had some white people that joined the movement as well, and that created the demographic that we can come together and work for a common cause. And I think that really made a difference. Um, the boy, Illinois, you as a rapper, you talk about a lot of these social injustices that's go, that goes around. So talk about how the, this type of article impacts you being a guy that's socially conscious and, re- and utilizes your, uh, your gift and music to promote that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I go, I go by Illy now, too, so you can just call Illy. me Illy. Yeah. Illy. Illy. My bad, Illy. It's all good. Uh, articles like this, it just opens up a discussion, and then kind of how all things start is just having a discussion, an honest discussion. 
Um, me being a fan of basketball as well, I've been waiting for this to come out. Have since you know since the Malice in the Palace, you know it's it's kind of like a, a thing that fans can get away with a little bit too much. And where's the line? And and where does it? Where's the, you know when it where what is going too far? So and and I feel like especially in players like Utah now that it's opened up, you see more players openly speaking about the stuff that goes on in Utah. And it's like you kind of like as a black person, you kind of think it's there in certain places like that that has that demographic, but you never really know. But now this article is opening up players' mouths to be like, yeah, well you know I experienced this. And this, that, and the other. So I just think it's good about having a discussion, especially Cal Cole being a, 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 a Caucasian brother. He needs to say something, and coming from him, and it's a, it's a, it holds more weight because he's on the privileged side, and he's on the side of where a lot of the, uh, the vile things are coming from. It's from people that look like him. Definitely, I think that right privilege, right privilege, really is a big thing, and if you utilize it to your advantage, the right way to for platforms such as this, not just him as an athlete, but as a white person in general that you live in, I think that makes a huge difference to show that we need to be more united than we are now. Without a doubt. For sure. So with that being said, major uh, major shout out to Brandon Scoopy Robinson and Illy yeah, yeah. for coming in to do the special uh, edition of In The Scope with Joshua M. Hicks. Be on the lookout for my next column, which is my next two columns, which is going to be uh, my my uh, viewpoints and my predictions on the NBA playoffs as for the, for the first round series, as well as my view, viewpoint on Kyle Korver and the Players Tribune article that he wrote. So be on the lookout. It'll be back to back articles coming out. That being said, also stay tuned to everything that we got going on on WeAreRegalRadio.com. We have columns. We have the podcast. We have it all for you. So stay tuned for what for uh, what We Are Regal Radio has for you guys. A lot of big things are coming up. So that being said, stay cool, stay breezy. We out. couldn't stand to see our children shot dead in the streets. But when I finally took a knee, them crackers took me out the lead. Now I'm not much for games, but I play for keeps. And we salute King James for using his change to create some equal opportunities. Can never put the fear in me There's a movement we've been grooving on You can move or stay your ass asleep Let's just not talk about it Everything they tried to hide We're taking back for yours and mine What about the love? Come on with me What about the neighbor? Come on with me What about the scene? Come on with me The people that you came with Come on with me What about the love? Come on with me What about the neighbors? Come on with me What about the scene? Come on with me, people that you